Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. So we're starting this new series based on 1 Corinthians. And it's the first letter we're going to focus on. And uh, we'll be going through the 16 chapters. We won't go verse by verse because we would be here for basically a year. But we'll go through the chapters. We'll unpack the truths that we find in this amazing book. And just to lay the foundation uh, this morning, and that's what I'd like to do when it comes to uh, this book that we will be going through this letter. Um, one of the things that we need to remember and what is foundational in this letter that is foundational everywhere that we, that we look at when it comes to reading the Word of God is how much God loves us and how much God has a love for this world. And when we look at this, this story of the Corinthian church, we, we see a tremendous love that God has for the lost. And, and um, when you look at the story or when you look at the Corinthian church, it was a city. Corinth was a city in, in Greece. And uh, it still exists today. It has around 30,000. Uh, it's around 30,000 in population. But if you go back then, it was uh, around 200 uh, of uh, 200,000 population. It was uh, a very big city, central for the Roman Empire in in Greece. And uh, it was the hub of commerce. It was two major ports. It was like it was really uh, humming. It was a, a place where things happened. And when you look at this, uh, this community, when you look at uh, this town, what we find is God is a God full of love. And, and when we look at the love that God has for us, we can see his love channeled in two, in two different ways. First of all, the love that God has for unbelievers, because we call this story um, a beautiful mess, because when you look at a church plant in Corinth, it's beautiful, it really is beautiful. And when we look at the other love that the Lord has is his love for his church. And again, when we look at this letter, 1 Corinthians, we see through the letter there's a lot of different issues. And this is why we call it a beautiful mess because there's a love that God has for his church. And that there's a love that God has for, for, for this, this world. And one of the danger that can that we can experience, or one of the traps, if I can say it this way, that we can fall in, it's to live our lives on this island, or live our lives on, on protection mode, and walk away from the calling that God has placed upon our lives. When you look at um, um, this, this city, and, and you look at where, how it was born, it, it's amazing, because if you look at uh, Corinth, it was, uh, like I said, it was a pretty big city, and um, there was two temples found in that city, one de dedicated to Apollo, and the second one to Aphrodite. Aphro uh, when, uh, Aphrodite, what was uh, unique about that temple is that it was, she was the goddess of love, and when it came to this temple, historians will say that there was around a thousand prostitutes that were attached to this um, 
this temple. And so when we look at this community, it was a community that was not walking in the ways of God. And, and there's four major issues when it comes to um, what the church was facing in that era or in that season or that time. First of all, there was pagan religion, uh, pagan religious um, practices, all kind of all kind of sorts of, all kind of beliefs, all sorts of belief that you would find there. And you would also find moral decadence and sexual freedom. You would find social class and status, the gap between the rich and the poor. And we'll touch that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And also a strong focus on reason and on, uh, on wisdom. Philosophy was very, very strong, very popular. Humanistic views was already implanted there, and, that's, and it still goes on today. So when we look at the context of this city, uh, the issues that the city was going through or the challenges that the, face, that the church faced, it's the same today. It hasn't changed a lot when it comes to belief systems, when it comes to moral decadence and sexual freedom, social class of the big gap between the rich and the poor, and when it comes to humanistic views, it's what we deal with today. But what's amazing about this story is that God had a heart for that city, and God led Paul to go there and to do a church plant. In his second missionary trip, this is where Paul went. He stayed there for 18 months, and he planted the church there in in Corinth, and uh, from there it became a hub and also a place where God, other people were sent, and, and we, we find that in Acts chapter 18. And, and so it's pretty amazing to see the plan or the heart of God for the nations, and I believe it's the same thing for us today. When we look at this letter, we know that God or, or Paul was talking to them. It was to them. It wasn't to us that he, he was talking to. He was talking to that people. But at the same time, he, when we look at Scripture, when we look at this letter, God is also addressing issues to us too. But first of all, it was for them. And what we, what we find in this story or in this church is that God is a God of grace and he still wants to reach our communities. Amen? He still has that heart to reach your community. Sometimes you look at some places and you say, ah, oh, there's no way that uh, uh, they'll come to the Lord. Or there's no way there's going to be breakthrough. It's impossible. But we know that we serve a God of the impossible. And God is able to go beyond what we see and is able to reach and touch hearts. And that church or that community is the proof of it. The last thing we want to do or the last thing we want to live like is like the Jonah. When Jonah received the call of God to go to Nineveh, Nineveh or Nineveh, he's got this call to go to Nineveh and he doesn't want to go because he's upset that God has compassion and mercy for that city. He believes and what he wants is he wants to see that city burn. He wants to see that town burn. And what he does is he runs away and he hides himself and he doesn't want to respond to God's call. And you know the story, right? Where God brought him back and uh, was, was uh, swallowed by a big fish and then and found himself on, on the shore. And he was probably white as snow because of the acid of the fish. And probably he was a scary sight to see. Right, uh, with no hair and no 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 hair anywhere because of the acid. No, like he was like me, no with no hair. Um, 
But he went to Nineveh, and the beautiful story is that the, the community, the town repented, and they experienced the grace of God. But it's dangerous for us to live our lives in isolation and forget the love that God has for this world and forget that God wants to use me and use you to love on people and, and not to be pessimist and negative and, 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 and judging the world in the way that we think there's no hope or thinking that it's too far past, uh, like uh, that we want to see judgment on them and that we want just to see uh, God just punish them. And, and sometimes you hear this mindset or you hear this to some degree in the church and I think it's wrong. I believe that the heart of the church should be the same heart that Jesus had and the same heart that Paul had when he went and do uh, his missionary trips. He did four trips, and uh, in his second one, this is where he was. He implanted the, the church, and in his while he was doing his third trip, this is where he wrote this letter to to uh, to the Corinthians. And so, so we we want to understand that. When it comes to the calling of the church, we're called to be motivated by love. And like I said, it was a mess in that city, but then you see God's grace coming in. So there's a, an affection that God has for this world that we should also carry, that we should have in our hearts. Amen? Another place where you see God's love is for his church. And it's amazing how God loves his church. I remember when I started in ministry many, many moons ago. First of all, I went to seminary, Bible college, and I went for my studies. I was a young kid. I was very green behind, behind the, my ears, right? I was like, I, I just wanted to serve God. I, I wanted to preach the word. And I remember giving myself to the word. I remember studying the word, buying a ton of books, reading on my holidays. I remember reading books of theology. I would just want, I just felt God's called, called to preach his word. So I gave myself fully for it. I was 18, 19, 20, 21, just giving myself fully for, uh, to, to the cause of the word. And I could not wait to be a pastor. And so, being a little innocent, right, uh, but sincere, I went and I got involved in the church. And then I realized that it was not as peachy as I thought it was going to be. I realized that when it came to taking care of a church or, or serving the church, it was difficult. It was way more than taking a text of scripture and studying it and communicating it to people. I realized that, that there was other challenges and it was way more than just reading my Bible and, and sharing to others the word of God. There were some issues in the church. There was some people that were in, walking in unforgiveness with others and, and people didn't want this and want that and, and there was some arguments and it, it was not easy to the point that I was around 24 years old and I said, do you want to continue to do this? Like Because I was disillusioned. It was not like what I thought it was going to be. Have you ever experienced that in the church? Right? You think everybody's going to be so amazing and full of love and forgiveness and, and they'll love on you. And then you realize, ah, it's not exactly 
like that. And so you have this pull of walk away, walking away from the church and living your own life, on, like to live your own Christian walk and to say, I can do this without the church. And I don't know if you've crossed that mind, but I remember me and Micheline at one point, we thought about it because it was not like what we thought it was going to be. And we were totally discouraged. And I remember going camping with Michelin and say, what are we going to do? Like, you know, like uh, I was, we were eating, we were getting paid peanuts. And, but we were all, let's go. We were going to, we were willing to go to Zimbabwe or going anywhere. We just wanted to serve. And we realized it was not that easy. And we came to this point where we were spending time with the Lord, where God supernaturally gave us a love for the church. And see, love my bride, love the church, but God, it's not fair. I wasn't treated right, and they promised me this, and, and this didn't happen, and people were saying this, and, 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 and I needed to come to a point where I had to let go, because the church, it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful mess, you see? And when you look at 1 Corinthians, it's amazing what God did. He brought people out of the world to live together. But at the same time, there were some issues that, uh, that he wanted to address. So I want you to know that the Corinthian church was a literal, it was a church. It was not an abstract church. It was a real church. And the local church is, 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 is in the heart of God. Like it says in Ephesians chapter 5 that Jesus, he says, Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. He gave himself for her. So I'm not called to give up on the church. Amen? It's not perfect. It will never be. But I'm not called to give on the church because it's God's God's heart, and if, if it was important for Jesus to say in John, in, in Matthew chapter 18, that the gates of hell won't prevail against this church, that he's going to fight for his church, then I want to fight for his church too. I want to realize, I want to realize that it's worth sometimes being hurt. It's worth sometimes going through struggles. At the same time, we need to realize that we are all in a process of being transformed by God, Right? There's some of us that we, we, we're new to, to the faith, and, and so we're kind of, a, uh, we're kind of young, and, and we're not that mature, so I need place to grow. And, and there's a, a other of us where we have some challenges that we have to let go, and, or, or that we have to surrender, and things that we have to let go. So when you look at this church, it's a church that what, what you see is amazing grace. You see a mess, but you see God's faithfulness and God's grace. Uh, so if you want to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to read one to verse, uh, the first nine verses, and we're going to unpack that a little bit when it comes to uh, laying the foundation for the weeks that we will be uh, studying going through 1 Corinthians. It says in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Sosthenes was probably Paul's um, sec secretary or his scribe. He probably, uh, Paul probably dictated the letter and, and he wrote it. Verse 2 it says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. 
Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge. So it's pretty cool, right? They're blessed by the Lord. They've been enriched by the Lord. Verse 6, it says, because your testimony about Christ was confirmed in you, therefore, do not lack, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts. You eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Verse 8, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 9, last verse I will read, God has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord, our Lord is faithful. So when you look at this the, the, these verses, if it would stop there, let's say this epistle would have nine verses, we would say it's an amazing church, right? It's an amazing church. And if you, uh, if you break down the verses, you find, you find it being called the, the, the church of, uh, of, of, of God, where it calls God's church. And so it's God's church, and, and God loves his church, and God cares for his church, and God values his church. And so Paul makes sure that we read this, that when we should, how we should call, see the church, we should see it as belonging to God. It's not my church. It's not a denominational church. It belongs to Christ. And, and it's the bride of Christ, right? Uh, we are his bride, and God is preparing us for that wedding day, one day where we'll see him face to face. But here, it's called God's church. And we see his provision. If you go back uh, uh, when it comes to the text, you look at verse 4, it says, always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. So he refers to the grace, an amazing grace. Man, God's grace came to this city, brought you, uh, brought you to himself. God brought you to himself. It's amazing. And in verse 5, like I read, they've been enriched, enriched in every way, in your speaking, in their knowledge. So you see the blessings of God upon them. And, and you see also that they flow in the spiritual gifts. It says they're not lacking any spiritual gifts. So that's pretty amazing, right? And also in verse 8, you see God's grace again, where he will keep you strong to the end and blameless to the day of the Lord, of the, to, on the day of the Lord Jesus. And then he finishes off that you have fellowship with God and he will be faithful. So what we find in, in, this, in these verses, we find God's um, provision for the church. But it doesn't stop there. And sometimes what we've done in the Western world, in North America, we only focus on these nine verses. How God is good how God is gracious, how blessed we are, how, how we are cared for God, by God. And I think it's so important, yeah, I think it's important for us to, to know this, that God is faithful, that we can be enriched, that he will keep us until the end, that we have spiritual gifts, and there's grace given to us. But there's one thing that we need to remember, is that God wants to work in my life, and he wants to work in my character and he wants to change, change me from the inside. Because the reality of the Corinthian, church, the Corinthian church, it was a mess. It was a literal mess. And it needed God's intervention. But how Paul starts the letter, he talks about what God did and his faithfulness. And, and so that is the foundation of it. But it's not because that we're loved by God that God doesn't want to change me and renew me. 
Well, we're going to go through this epistle, and you'll find, you'll look at stuff, and you say, why did they do this, right? And, and, and But you have to remember that God is a gracious God, and that God loves His church. It's not perfect, but at the same time, we need to realize as much as God loves us, He wants to bring transformation in my heart and transformation in your heart. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, this is where there's kind of the snapshot of the intention of Paul when it comes to the letter. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infant in Christ. You got to remember, this is the first time he was in Corinth. It was there, he was there for 18 years. 18 months, and this is where people came to the Lord, and he was discipling them. But he realized, and he says this, that they were like infant. They were like babies in the faith. And look what it says in verse 2. It says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And look what he says at the end of verse 2, and you still aren't ready. Eight years later, that's the context here. When Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church, it's after eight years. So what he's saying to them is in verse 3, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. And he asks this question. You are, um, no, sorry, he, he says here, you are jealous of one another and, and quarrel with each other. And this is where he asks the question, does that prove you are still controlled with your, by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? And so this is where the tire hits the road. So we see that Jesus loves the church and Paul loves the church. The challenge is, after eight years, they're still walking in the flesh. They're still, they're, they're, it's like the, the world or their community or the environment is taking control of the church and they're starting to behave and they're behaving like the world. And I, and I think it's important for us when it comes to the, uh, to the church in 2023 that we, we, we see Christ work in us and, and transform us from glory to glory. It's important for us not to get caught where we only bathe in God's love and God's grace and we forget the calling of our lives to walk in a way that honors him and pleases him. And that's what really Paul is addressing here. I, I really believe that God wants to come in my mess. But at the same time, I, I need to realize that he wants to come in my mess. I'm not called to run away. Like, what happens sometimes is there's a situation that happens in, in a church or someone uh, walks in sin, and instead of, instead of dealing with it, they just change another church, and they want to start all over again. And, 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 I, and I think it's not the right thing to do. I, I really believe that what God wants to do in the church, he wants to bring a, a level of holiness, a level of sanctification, and that we would not just major in verse 1 to 9, but we would see Christ transform us and make us more and more like him. Would you agree? And that's a challenge. It's not a popular topic. It's not a popular subject. But it's very important for us to realize that as we are pilgrims and we're walking uh, through this journey of life, we need to realize that there's a desire of God to transform us and to change us and to see and to understand that our life really, the way we do our life matters. Amen? That the way I do my life matters. One of the key ingredients that you find in 1 Corinthians that Paul is addressing. Same topic that Jesus addressed with the Pharisees. 
It was hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is like saying something and living something else. And that's what really got under Jesus' skin when it came to the Pharisees. They looked so holy, they looked so in control, and all, but behind, they were not, they were not godly. If you read Matthew chapter 23, it's, it's a hard chapter that Jesus, uh, uh, when he talks to the Pharisees. And it's the same story that you find in 1 Corinthians. It's like the picture, the image is nice, but on the inside, it's a mess. And it starts to transpire by their lifestyle, how they treat others. There's immorality in the church. There's uh, people bring uh, other people to, to cart. Uh, they're abusing the spiritual gifts to have their way. There's jealousy. It's, it's a mess. At the same time, it's a beautiful mess because there's God's grace and, and God is full of love and, and God loves his church and, and, and God values his church. At the same time, there's a need for God to come to bring freedom, free us from our sins, free us from our addictions, free, free us from the pattern of this world. And that's exactly the, the topic or, the, or, or what was happening in the church then. It was, it, had, it was drifting away from the principles of God. It was returning to the ways of the world. And I think that's the challenge that we face today when it comes to living our lives. We, we, we need to understand that there's a battle going on. And the battle is for you to walk away from the ways of God and to adopt the ways of the world. And that's not why the church exists. The church exists to give glory to God. The church exists, exists to be a witness to the world. And this is where you find this amazing verse. I believe it's one of the most important verse when it comes to the church. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says, This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. You know, as we go forward, it's not going to get easier and the thing is, what are we going to do? Are we just adopt the ways of the world? Are we going to embrace the things of this world? Or are we going to stand when it comes to the values of love, grace, mercy, uh, holiness, purity of life? And, and, and when you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, this verse has haunted me for the last 35 years of ministry where I understand that when it comes to the truth, how will people know the truth? How will people know the gospel is true? It has to be found in the church. The church is the reflection of Christ. So when you look at verse 15 where it says, this is the church of the living God, which is, what is? Uh, it says, this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So the pillar that Paul talks about here, it's the church. And what is the pillar for the truth? It's us living by the truth. So it's very important for us to realize that we're called to live out our faith, right? And the last thing that you want to live is, is having one, one saying that comes from the corner of your mouth and you living a way that is contrary to it. And, and, and I think that's what was the, the biggest thing that Paul was addressing because you know what? The Corinthian was, they were losing her testimony in their community because there was no difference between, between them and the world anymore. And it's very clear that we're called to be the salt of the earth, right? And we're called to be the light of the world. And, and, and there's a need for transformation in our lives. So, so 
what, what, what I have for you this morning as we go through this, this epistle, that we, 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 we would realize that church is way more than gathering here on a Sunday morning. Church is way more than a building, but that we are a people, and we are one people because it's, a, it's not abstract. It's really a people coming together, but there's a desire of Christ to come and rule in our lives and, and change us from the inside. You know, when you look at that church, it was planted by the apostle Paul. You cannot get a better church planter than Paul, right? Eight years later, they're in the same spot. And that's not what you want to experience in your own life. If you are exactly where you are in eight years, there's a problem, right? If you haven't grown, if you haven't matured, there's a problem. And so, so this letter addresses that. It addresses the problem of, of people, of, addresses the problem of people. It addresses things in, in one's life that causes us to miss out on what God can do and wants to do. And I, my, my prayer is that we would see that. And as we, we journey, we would say, God, change me. God, transform me. Like I shared last week that we have patterns of thinking and we get caught. And, but we want to see the renewing of our mind. We want to be transformed in our mind. And we want to be transformed in our hearts, Right? Because we know that we haven't, we haven't been called to religion. We have, we have been called to transformation. Really. We've been called to transformation. And God wants to come in your life in the next weeks and transform you in the inside and move you in, 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 to a new level so that when you are in the world and that you are with your family, that genu genuineness would transpire. Not perfection. But genuineness. Because the last thing we want to be is hypocrites. The last thing we want to live by is say one thing and, live it, and, living, and living the opposite, right? Putting pressure on people, on performance, and saying how they should be and how they should live, and us not living it. You know, this is what Paul is addressing. And I believe it's a hot topic. I really believe it's a message that we need to hear. It's like, Last week, people were saying, oh, it's such a great message on inner freedom. I think we need inner freedom. But this is such an important message. To, it's not flamboyant. It's not flashy. But it's necessary for us to realize that God has called us to holy living. God has called us to holy living. Like we can't, we can't just say, I'm a Christian and live the way you want. You can't. When it comes to sexuality, when it comes to how we do business, when it comes to what comes out of our mouth or behavior, how we treat others, it has to come under Christ. And the church is challenged today in 2023, like the church in Corinth, to experience inner transformation. Amen? I would ask you to stand. Father God, I'm so grateful for your amazing grace and the love that you have for this world, that you want to reach this world, that you have compassion and, and that you want to use us to bring people to the knowledge of how awesome you are. And Lord, you love so much your church, even if, even if it's a mess, 
You love your church. But God, we, we want to respond to your Holy Spirit. We want to respond to transformation. We want to respond to godliness, to truth, to sincerity, transparency. Father, we, we won't want to live our lives as being hypocrites or, or just going through the motion and not, being, not seeing you being real in my life. Just pray, Lord, that as we navigate through this, this book in the next months, that you would do a work in us and in a freeing way that I would not be the same, that I would be brought to a place of, of surrender, a place of repentance, a, pray, a place of letting go, Father, that I would not stay the same, that I would not be found eight years later dealing with the same issues. Father, I just pray that you would breathe life over your church, that you would breathe life over each person here, upon every father, upon every mother, upon every young adult or single, that you would move in a way that you would bring free, freedom in us in the way that we would live a life of worship to you and that genuineness and purity of heart would be before our eyes. Father, so be glorified in your church. Be glorified in Gospel Mission Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.